Welcome here. This is Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MNBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MNBC. We are here back together um, this week with part two of a series that we've begun um, walking through this book called Democratic Religion, Freedom, Authority, and Church Discipline um, in the Baptist South. Uh, Last week, we opened up with um, kind of an overview of uh, Baptist church life in the South, but also talking about what our Baptist forefathers, how important um, church membership uh, was, um, you know, the role it played, how, um, you know, um, you know, we talked about some of the overviews of church discipline, how it would be carried out, how they would have those conference days or, or days of discipline. Um, and today we want to talk about the second chapter, which is called Democracies uh, Primitive and Pure. Democracies Primitive and Pure. Um, so we're going to talk about how Baptists viewed the church, how it should be run again, um, kind of what is the function of the church. We're also going to talk about the unity of the church as well as the benefits of solid pastoral um, care and um, uh, discipline within the church for the health of the congregation um, as well as our Baptist uh, forefathers um, uh, said it and and had it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's what we'll do. Um, any comments before we, we dive in? Scott, are you looking at the book on your phone? I am. So I have a, I have a paper copy. Scott has an iPhone copy. A Kindle copy. A Kindle copy. Um, there's just two kinds of people in this world. There's Mayo and Miracle Whip people. Mayo and Miracle Whip people. <laughs> we found out. I, people. We, the only person we don't know about is Dave. Mayo. Okay, good. So everyone here is a Mayo person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because we found out somebody in the office is not. Was not. They are a miracle whip person. Question their person. Question their person. Their personhood. Wow. Their personhood. Yeah, Scott was questioning. <laughs> wow. Miracle whip is not a substitute for mayonnaise. No. It has its uses, though. You guys, yes, of course it has its uses, but it's not a substitute for mayonnaise. I agree. <laughs> Do you, did any of you all grow up in a household that called it salad dressing? No. It says it though on a lot of the bottles. Yeah, it does. yeah. The off brands will call it yeah. salad dressing mm-hmm. a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Alicia's family calls it salad dressing. That's Southern yeah. coleslaw. Yeah. Making mm-hmm. interesting. What are we doing today? <laughs> I just told you. <laughs> you had Mayo. to. You had Mayo. Me muted. I cool. couldn't hear. You're not mute. I did not have you. <laughs> I was muted. You're going to be put under discipline. <laughs> please <laughs> for that, please. <laughs> Gosh. Then I can just get angry and leave. Let's have a case study. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I just need you to lead me well today. Okay. I just hope you'll listen to what we're going to give you, and then you will be ready to respond with helpful input. He needs care for his soul right now. He does need some care. I don't have my phone, (laughs) and so I'm nervous. I'm not going to be able to Google stuff quickly. Okay. This will be good therapy for you because... (laughs) Um, it's good. You know, the Lord gave us a thing called brains and yeah. therefore recall and to just use, Google use too. them. He gave us Google. Yes. Yes. But even the best things can be abused, can't they? That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is uh, primitive democracies or, or democracies, primitive and pure. Um, so a Baptist in the past thought of their churches as little democracies where every member um, had a role to play in the care of the health of the church and of, of other members. And so um, here's a section. This is I'm going to read this from the book um, here. But it says this. Uh, Greg Wills writes this in the book. Uh, bent upon reproducing churches on the apostolic pattern, Baptists frequently rehearse the outlines of their ecclesiology. In other words, ecclesiology is their doctrine or understanding of the church and how it should function. He says this, they sought to repristinate both the worship and the government of the See, primitive that's church. I Google, I got to look up. What does repristinate mean? It means to bring back, you know, okay. make it back to its pristine place, you know, re- renew it, reinvigorate Am it. Am I alone in this? No, I okay. didn't know what I was saying, you know. I was about to use my phone to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Start over. <laughs> Reading do we need Rewind. to do some grammar? Re means Rewind. what? Re means back. what? The prefix re that means what? Problem. Yes, to go back. Pristine means pristine what? Pristine Pure. Yes. So if something's pristine, it's pure, it's beautiful, it's in its original best state. So this is a verb then, so it's to put it back into its original best state, right? Thank you. See, Google would have done that if I had my phone. <laughs> I, I, I'm not Google. Think about that. I just did that. Just think about that. Just think about that. You have your good qualities, believe me. Thank you. Because <laughs> he uses Google Scholar. <laughs> I do. Google Scholar and Google <laughs> Books. He bragged all about that. I do use that. I do use that. Yeah. That's a great thing. Um, the apostles. That's bad. great because he uses it. The apostles Baptist held had organized churches according to the commands of Christ. The form of the primitive church was binding on all subsequent history. This apostolic example, wrote Jesse Mercer, forms the true pattern for the constitution of all after churches. Not merely the commands of the New Testament, but also the practices of the first churches are the rule for us to follow. A complete system adapted to every age. Recognizing that some preferred Episcopal or Presbyterian government, Baptists said that to consider church government a matter of taste or of expediency was a radical, mischievous error. Everything about a church was determined by pure revelation. Baptists strove for conformity to the primitive church of Christ, and they boasted of their success, convinced that in our denomination, there are no splendid innovations." So the first thing I want to talk about, I like that phrase, no splendid innovations. The Baptists were attempting to do something. Uh, they were attempting to go back and solely follow as best they could the apostolic commands. Um, to go back to the very um, commands, but also the practices and um, the patterns of the apostolic church. Um, to conform the church to its, um, to as closely as possible to what the Bible commanded. Let me ask you this. Do we think about that often today? Are we okay with innovations typically today? What it's interesting. I think, the old I think we hear about it because I think you hear people, what the term is today is we want to be a the new Testament church. Sure. Go back to the new Testament time, you know, and, and get back to its purest form of church. So you do hear that, and that would be, an, I yeah, think, something similar definitely. Uh, of what's happening. So it's not, it's not foreign, it's not foreign to us at all. I don't believe. Definitely, yeah, Scott. I think it's interesting to think about. I mean, where they would have been in their mindset, because really, before like the 1600s, when you had Congregationalist churches coming up, who would have similar polity, and now Baptist churches, as we're talking about here in the South, there really wasn't a congregationally governed church like for the vast majority of church history sure and so i think many of the of the groups they would have been coming out of would have seen them as innovating mm -hmm. right of changing what had been practiced for over a thousand years in terms of church government and but that was their motivation was they wanted to see what was in the new testament and the practice by the church handed down by the apostles and that's that's our source of authority Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to go back to that as best they could. They cut a lot of flack for it. So one of the things I think what we see here <clears throat> is um, this is the Baptist following in church government of what we often call uh, the regulative principle of worship. And they were applying this to church government because it would be the if you were to follow the opposite version of this, the regulative principle is basically the second commandment. You don't worship God in ways that he says don't do in ways that uh, you want to, you follow only the commands in regards to worship or the church. So whenever it came to church government, they weren't saying what, what hasn't God forbidden? They were saying, what has God commanded us to do? And so whenever it came to churches, they said, well, there's, there's no presbytery above a local church that gets to govern all the churches. So we can't create one. Right. So we can't create some structure above the local church to govern the church because there's not one in the New Testament. So we don't add to what God hasn't told us to do. So we follow only the commands of Jesus. We have no splendid innovations. So actually what they were doing was applying um, the second commandment 
to church government um, in in ways that are in some in some ways today we would look at them and probably think um, many much today we would look at what their their intensity with which they did that and some of us might think well they were a little rough there um, because they were so zealous to not only do what the Bible commanded but they were doing that. Because they didn't want to, as we'll talk about in a little bit, they didn't want to violate anybody's conscience because it's so important. One of the key things that was brought from the Reformation was we shouldn't bind anybody's conscience to anything unless the Bible commands it to them or calls them to believe it. So as a church, we can't place upon anybody's conscience um, as something they must do in the church what the Bible doesn't tell them to do. So there was a, a radical... Um, that was, in a sense, also a radical declaration of Christian freedom um, with the New Testament church, that we stick only to Scripture in all of those things. And that really separates Baptists um, from from other traditions, um, I think, as well. Tim? Well, if I, I can see what you're saying, and we'll open this question up. This will be a nine marks question. Maybe okay. Scott will know. Uh, I can see the local church. There's nothing over the local church. But where from that do you get? democracy democracies yeah but they would say that the because the new testament sees <clears throat> they would pull certain scriptures for instance first corinthians 5 2 corinthians what chapter 2 matthew chapter 18 verses like that which talk about the whole church having a responsibility of particularly bringing in members or expelling members, or disciplining members, or also calling the pastors or deacons, at least in those functions of the church's life, they would see that as not being entrusted to uh, one individual or bishop, or, or we yeah, have one individual or a group of individuals, but to the whole church congregated. So that church power, the keys, that power belongs to the whole church, not to. Uh, the pastoral team, not to the bishop or right, the and only. Though, and those powers were what again? Like bringing in members, admitting them, um, disciplining them, or um, right. casting them out, or mm-hmm. calling and electing church officers, or removing them. Right, so you really have like three tasks of the local church uh, in a democratic way. Explicitly, Explicitly, yeah. yeah. And so it would be a splendid innovation to add another one to that. I think... Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess right? so. No, yeah. it would, it yeah. would. Uh, that, I just want to clarify that. Yeah, because we now, because we would, we would like this, right, as Baptists. But I think sometimes I fear we've turned into some splendid innovations of democracy of thinking, well, well we're fully democratic in everything, and that's not mm. that actually isn't biblical. We see that there now, are now define democracy from your angle of what I you're mean saying. of the members voting for everything all the okay. time, which is okay. which our country isn't either, right? We sure. don't we don't function that way. Sure. It's impossible to function that, that that's way. That's a pure democracy. Yeah, it's impossible to do that. Right. But even I think at times we we would extend it too far, where we lack trust in our leaders to make decisions that they should be making, you know, or or seeking advice when they need it from help. And, and so you get this idea sometimes amongst Baptists of like, this is my, my church and I have this say. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you don't really need to have a say in this. What, you know, something kind of silly, whatever it might be. How many tables we buy or whatever. Yeah. Where, where you're exactly right. That's why I wanted to bring it out. Scripture is very clear that the church calls their pastor, right? Yeah. And the church is involved in who is part of the church. Their, their local church, who gets in, who sometimes sadly has to be kicked out as well. And so sure. that's an important thing to know that as a church member, that's, a, that's an important task actually that you have that should be took very seriously because when you allow a member in, they now have a say in things. And when you, especially when you call a pastor in, you're giving him authority or them yeah. authority to make decisions on your behalf as a church and other matters that right. the Bible allows for the pastor to do that. Right. So that's all I just wanted, wanted to clarify. Yeah. And, and within that, um, yeah, there's obviously different, um, cause I don't agree with this. Okay. Why well, not? Because when you say splendid innovations, innovations, you have to do that. Some, you have to, 
infer some of something that scripture says and use common wisdom and conscience. They don't deny like, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think what you're talking about, Tim, is what like what you were trying to draw out there was we have the principle of the congregation governing, mm-hmm. like being the final authority. You know, let's say that it, let's say it that way. And the explicit examples we have of that in scripture are of calling leaders, admitting members and removing members. And so if you allow the congregation to have a say on anything else in the church life, well, then in a way that's an an innovation innovation, because it's not laid out explicitly in scripture. And so you're right in that of basically you're taking the general principle. And I think me and Spencer were actually talking about this earlier this morning that within congregational church government, there could be any number of ways that that's worked out so long as it's agreed upon among the church. And the church is the final authority, whether it's a scene like they have one pastor, multiple pastors. Mm-hmm. Does the vote uh, does the church vote on uh, financial matters all the time or do they just approve a budget and then let other people handle? That's kind of up to the church of how yeah. they want that to be. Handled. And that's where I mean, I think we want to be careful because we meant the regulative principle was mentioned in worship. And there are those who would take. I'm just placing that there. Oh. That would take the regulative principle and say, we're not adding anything to what hasn't been in here, right? And so you see that done very strictly. But then you have others who would say, well, no, I follow the regulative principle, but the Bible don't say no to this, so this is what I'm going to do. And we'd be like, well, that's not the regulative principle. That's not principle. the regulative principle. <laughs> but well, that's kind of, I, feel, I think but, we're kind of, I, think one of the things I don't here, know if that's a good comparison well, because no, I think you could get kind of wishy-washy then on the regulative principle. No, I think it, I do think it applies here because... Um, it is part of revealed um, religion in the sense in which it, it falls into the same categories um, church government does with worship. I do think, however, so like here's one difference. There's, there is a number of ways in which congregationalism can take place, but one way I think that we would all say would be inappropriate is if a congregation handed completely the government of the church to a set of elders in the church. So a church can't just say, well, we decide who gets in and who gets out by handing that decision over to the elders. Well, no, actually what you've done then as, as a congregation, you have abdicated your responsibility by handing that power to somebody else. That's different than having elders who lead, but who, and who maybe help interview new members, but who still hand that final call of you see what i'm saying like because that's that i could see churches saying well we practice congregationalism but actually what you've done is you've actually handed off that power it's kind of like if a husband um and his wife right you totally hand over every single thing over right you see that sometimes where um people will say well as long as um you know i'm the husband as long as she does everything you know i get accused of that on staff here of 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 being too needy um (laughs) Um, to my wife, you know, and she just bought me a new lunchbox recently. Okay. Cause she loves me. She loves me. I knew you're laughing. <laughs> she does love me. She does love me. She takes care of me, but you see what I'm saying? Like with, um, <laughs> Tim's laughing over here. But, um, so if you, if you hand over your congregationalism, your, your congregational power to somebody else, that is no longer congregationalism, right? You, you've abdicated your power and your responsibility as a congregation. That's where the regulative principle says you can't do that. I know, but what I struggle with with regulative principle is I think there's right ways and wrong ways to worship. Yeah, that's and the so second commandment. Right, and so then I, I think there's people though who would say, well, I'm kind of holding to this regulative principle. I just hold it a little looser than you, where I'd be like, I don't, I don't think you can do that. I don't think that's right. But we were saying that there's different ways that congregations can stay within scriptural no, bounds, but have governed. But, but that govern. would be that would be essentially differences between the regulative principle only applies to um, it, it. The regulative principle says that in regards to um, what I forget the differences. What are the elements? It governs the elements, but the circumstances. So, for instance, when you get together as a church or which exact passages of scripture you read, or when you read them in the service, um, the order or the arrangement in which you do that, that is all left up to human discretion within wisdom and principles. The regulative principle says the matters, the elements, like, so for instance, we're not allowed to show, we don't, we don't, we don't get up and, um, and worship God by having, you know, a skit 
that's not that's a totally different element of worship. Well, what about ways to sing? In what way? That'd be a yeah, that'd be a form. Yeah, so I mean singing is an element that needs to happen in singing worship. Singing needs to happen, yes. But me and you would definitely argue that there's a wrong way to do that. Yes. Yes. Why? As long as they're singing. Well, singing is important, yeah. Yeah. The key Why def- is there a wrong way to do it though? The, what would be di- wrong is if we did something with singing that would be changing singing into so everything should support the singing but if you get together for a church service and there's no singing but there's just instrumental music then you've added a new element you see what i'm saying because that's not what we're commanded to do in so far as it aids the singing that's what we're commanded to do right it's kind of like right we we have we have scripture readings one of the things that helps our church is by putting it up on the wall right we don't have to do that but that helps us. Now, if instead of putting it on the wall, we showed a movie of what you were reading, I would have a problem with that because that's not what we're supposed to do, right? So that's a different element. Um, so I think similarly here, the, the second commandment applies um, to church government. I don't know. I don't know if what you're getting at, Tim, is like there. I know are people who would say that they follow the regulative principle. And in order to follow that, like there's, to sing means that you only sing psalms, right? Not just songs that have been written throughout history or even more yeah, recent. Right. Two, both groups could say they follow the regulative principle, but one group would say, actually, you don't. Right. We're doing mm-hmm. only what Scripture has yeah. told us. We're yeah. doing. We're, do, we're sticking so with the psalms. I think that's more like what you're getting at, where people, where there's like clear issues of like showing a movie instead of having a scripture reading or having like a skit or something like that, or a play mm-hmm. as like, there's nothing wrong with a play happening at church, but to, for that to be your worship, that's different. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it, this, this statement says everything about a church was determined by pure revelation. Those are some, <laughs> no, I don't believe that. I just don't agree that that's true. <laughs> I know they said that, but I think, <laughs> I think the Lutherans would say that and the Catholics would say no, the Lutherans same thing. wouldn't say that. They would not say that. I mean, the Catholics go all the way back to the apostles. They don't. They would say, but see, they don't have well, scripture. Just go back to John the Baptist. <laughs> yeah, there I mean, you go. There thank you, go. Scott. Thank you. Yeah, no. The difference would be the Lutherans would say you can do anything as long as it's not forbidden. Okay. Right. That's different from uh, because that's where I think again, this is where I do think many Baptists are inconsistent because we would all say, for instance, when it comes to baptism, why don't we baptize infants? because we don't see it in scripture. But the Lutherans could just, if we follow the, the Lutheran principle of worship, then which is called the normative principle. Well, it's not forbidden because it's not, there's no, you won't find one verse in the new Testament that says don't baptize a baby. I know what I'm saying, but you know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm saying I guarantee this church did things that weren't just laid out in scripture, but wasn't forbidden. I guarantee. I think they you're did talking that. about circumstances, though, not elements. Whatever, I, right, I guarantee. Of church government, it. and so there, this pure revelation thing to me is kind of boastful and not true. Wow. No, I, I think, I, I think, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think it's a, it's a I think good it's argument. impossible yeah. to do that. It's I think what they were applying that. that to was again the like, for instance, when we would talk about the elements of worship, they were they definitely had circumstances. Um, they had. They yeah, had, this is is this the one uh, you had sent me an article about offering? No, that was a different one. Because oh. that would be one too, right? That was a helpful, yeah. It was yeah. a helpful article. But did they do that? That's what I, you know, just, just mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I think these questions are good to ask because That's I why don't, I'm asking them, mm-hmm. making this podcast interesting. I man. appreciate yeah. that. It's kind of getting spicy. I don't even believe everything I say all the time. I just say it to you get just you going. Say it. <laughs> well, you get me going. Okay. Second thing I want to talk about. So no splendid innovation. Secondly, no new laws um, in the, in the, um, is that just saying the same thing again? No, Scott. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. The primitive charter also defined church authority. The book writes true churches had no right to make new laws because Christ was the only lawgiver in Zion. The functions of a church were merely executive and judicial. In discipline, as well as doctrine, the Bible was the only legal rule. Church power, moreover, inhered in all the members of a church, and it could be delegated to no other individual or group. So, again, I think this is important because it protects Christian freedom. Because um, there is, 
um, you know, some, some people will say, and I think if you were like within a Lutheran or a, an Anglican context, they will say, as long as it's not forbidden, you can do it in church services. Um, and while they would say, we wouldn't say you have to believe or do this in order to be saved. Um, you also should just kind of, I don't know how they, I don't want to put words in their mouths, but they're definitely willing to innovate and incorporate things like Lent um, or Ash Wednesday or ceremonies like that. But what if my conscience doesn't want to do that? What if I'm uncomfortable with that? Do you have the right as a church to say, this is what Jesus wants us to do? So the, the, that's a different question, right? The so, no new laws are, are still based off of the church, not like individual Christian laws. I think it's, yeah, I would say the church laws, but also we have nothing. We can't require an individual Christian as a Christian to do anything. Because they, is this the same book that was kicking people out for uh, going to the opera? Yeah. Dancing. <laughs> that seems hypocritical then. Well, they regarded it. <laughs> they regarded that as worldliness. <laughs> I know what I'm, you get what I'm getting at. I mean, yeah, I think they were a little <laughs> too strict, but I also know that, um, yeah, it, it's inter- one of the things this that you, what I'm getting at is like, I, I agree. I like what they're saying. Right. I would no new laws. Yes. No splendid innovations. Right. Yes. But I think the fact of the matter is we all do that. We can't get away from it. We don't want to do that, but like that. Is that the goal? I'm, but let me ask you this. Should that be the goal? Yeah, I think that should be I'm the saying. goal. I like this. Yeah, I like it. But they backtrack from it just by that. It's like, oh, you danced. You're out. Well, you just made a law. Where are you going to show that to me? Well, this is worldly. Well, I can say that about anything. <laughs> That's yeah. your own definition here. Sure, we, sure. And we do that throughout the generations of what's worldly and what's not now, worldly. Scott is a big dancer. Yeah. It's right. awesome. Yeah. Scott loves to dance. Yeah. And... That's fine for um, me. Now, you didn't dance at your wedding, right? So you would not have been put under discipline. Scott would have. I don't have. think we had music there. Not when you saw me out there. Not when you saw me. <laughs> wow. They it saw was Scott. beyond anything wow. you could think of. <laughs> yeah. It was a glory to behold. Uh-huh. You know, singing, you know, playing uh, Rascal Flats, God Bless the ro- Broken Road out there. <laughs> Scott's out there dancing. And <laughs> That's awesome. So I think, but, the, but you're, but you don't disagree that this should be the goal. Right. No. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, right? making these statements. I hear again, you can go to any church and what are they going to tell you? We're a Bible based church. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, you're not. Yeah, we are. We say we are. And I'm like, yeah, but you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Ah, oh, that's your interpretation. Right. And so it's just this words. It's like, and this, right. them saying, we, we have no innovations here. Yes, you do. Don't tell me that you do, whether you want to or not. We don't create new laws. Yeah, yes, you do. You, do. <laughs> you create new laws. That's what we do. We're not perfect. But so I just don't want to make those those huge statements of like, this is what we do. And I'm afraid that sometimes when we look back into history and read a book like you guys have read there, that we say, look at these people had it good. No, they knew I, what they were doing. It's like, no, listen, no they didn't. Well, no, I would push back in this. I think this is not even the standard people are pursuing anymore. I don't think the... I want to be I'm honest. I'm not arguing that. I'm no, not what, arguing no that. what I'm saying is... At, the I would agree with you. The difference is today we're not worried about no new laws or no splendid innovations. We're 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 after really good innovations, and any laws that work. We're about pragmatism today. They were. I'm saying. Yeah, I think so. That that's know. where I think is this the helpful part of this book is it's asking the question. Well, what should what even should the question be, right? About how we live as a church. Should we do what works, or should we pursue? what the Bible says to do, and then what does that even mean? What does that even look like? Do we do something only because in the church, because and insofar as the Bible doesn't forbid it, as far as the church is concerned, or should we follow doing only the things that are explicitly commanded for our church life? Those are different. Those are, those are going to lead to two different church governments. That's how you get, on the one hand, you get Anglicanism and Lutheranism because with, with tons of different ceremonies. Um, and with, with all sorts of additions, you know, I mean, people would be shocked to find out that the Puritans, for instance, one of the big deals, you know, one of the big things they had a big problem with was making the sign of the cross on an infant in baptism, because that was an addition to the baptismal ceremony that they didn't like. They said, you're adding to it. We can't, we don't, we're not commanded to do that. But if you follow the other practice, you have to say, well, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I understand why people do that. And I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm just saying, but that does, those are different questions that you have to wrestle with and you have to come. The reality is too, is you have to come to a position on it. And I think as Baptists, 
because of, I think first and foremost, with our definition of baptism and how we got to it, we've already taken a default position on the issue. And sometimes the, as far as baptism is concerned, we just haven't worked that out in a lot of other areas of church life that we already do with the doctrine of baptism. Yeah, I think what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? No, I think what you're saying is exactly right and fair. I I just, that's why I push a little is because I just want us to realize our own errors. Because Mm -hmm. today, if this is how Baptist churches were, what you've read here back, when would this have been? 16? No, No, 1785 to 1900. It is not like that anymore. Oh, definitely. Every Baptist church just about that you're going to walk into is about innovating. It's about how to get people in. They're not asking the question, does Scripture forbid it? I would say more often than not, the question that's asked is, does the Scripture say anything about it? No? Okay. Well, we're good to go. That's where you hear the statements like, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people. And what you you will see in this book um, is at the very last chapter is about how things began to be transformed. And one of the key things that happened was people became churches, became more concerned about efficiency. Are we going to that? Eventually. Point. Oh, we are. We will at the oh. very end of the, of the series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, because I'm saying he's talking about at the very end, he talks about how democratic religion was transformed. And part of that was, we're going to kind of jump to the end, but especially in city churches, it became important to put on a good show to have a preacher who could talk really well. And those guys were paid really well. So churches were starting to pay their preachers in city churches a lot more and discipline began to become lax in those city churches. And so eventually what you have is then also churches in the South, as we head towards the 1900s, becoming more and more and more concerned about being progressive Mm -hmm. and becoming efficient. So one of the things that will happen is, and this is a fascinating difference later on, what will happen is whenever we talk about church discipline, we're talking about keeping the church pure. And they are the old Baptists were saying, listen, if someone's um, sinning and they're unrepentant, we have to put them out of the church. The emphasis began to be switched to, listen, if you've got inactive church members, you need to find ways to get them active in the church, to put them to work. So it became more about efficiency again. That was the goal. And so that's how he talks about how Baptists began to no longer ask these questions. They weren't concerned about new laws or spending innovations. They were concerned about making efficient innovations. I think a critique that you'll hear fairly commonly from even other Baptist churches today that used to come from churches that did not follow a congregational form of government was, you know, we're sitting here talking about these things like no new laws we want to follow what the New Testament commands and have a congregational church with a regenerate church membership because without a regenerate church membership, you cannot have a congregational form of church government. And the critique that would come is how you can't do all of that perfectly. Like sure. You can't really determine in a person's heart of hearts if they are truly a believer or like you can't completely perfectly apply all of these things to everything your church does. And that's the critique that comes. And mm-hmm. I think that would come from, like I said, even other Baptist churches today sure. of saying, well, how do you know that that's actually completely right there? How do you know this? Or how do you determine that exactly? And the answer is just because we know that we can't do it perfectly doesn't mean that we don't try to follow the commands that God has given us, right? If that's what's clearly laid out in scripture, we do it to the best of our ability, knowing that our human determination isn't always going to be correct. We're going to miss things. We're going to constantly have to reorient when we sway too far this way or too far this way. But to just know that we're never going to be able to do it perfectly is not a reason to not do it to the best of our ability. Yeah, and the church has proven that the more we ask questions about our current culture and get away from questions about what does Scripture command us, we just go in a really bad direction. Yeah. You know, that's what we've we've seen happen so much is we want to reach the people or we, we want to, I don't know, be kind. And the next thing you know, you're a, you're a lost church. We I mean, we saw it. This is an extreme example, but you see that some with World War Two and how all that went right. Nazi Germany, that some churches went along with what was going on and it was to appease culture. It was to stay open. Right. It was to keep going. Because uh, the state would shut them down, it's like, well, we should just stay open. We can just, you know, appease them with this. The next thing you know, you're in a you're in a really bad position. And where I try to think about this quite a bit. We're we're not void of that. 
I, I don't have perfect theology, I'm sure. I don't have perfect practices. And so I, I think we need to be reflecting on what what are we not doing right? How are we engaging culture too much and in, in giving in to some places, maybe scripturally? And because our, our standard, as we keep saying, is the word of God. So we have to actually let that be the, the standard um, or else then, or else we get astray and then you just get lost. There's a, a podcast that Spencer and I listen to some and they always start with music at the beginning. And it's embarrassingly bad music, but they remind us pretty often. They did it in the last one. They said, we, I want to remind you, this music used to be, what did they say? Um, the current relevant music that the church had created to be cool. And now you look back and it's like, oh my gosh. And so you just think about that with like, for me, like with preaching, it's like, if I want to preach sermons that are relevant and the culture is going to come and think I'm cool and want to listen to me in 10 years, it's going to be embarrassing to listen to that. But if you stay true to just what the word of God is and stick with it, I mean, we, we can go back and listen to preachers back in the early 1900s and stuff and you hear them preaching the Bible it's a hundred percent relevant still today and applicable and they don't sound like morons. They're not embarrassing themselves. You know, it's like, yeah, that's, that's the word of God being preached and how it should be done. And I think that can apply in a, in a lot of areas, you know, preaching music, uh, church government, all of this different stuff. And that's why these questions become important, but I'm afraid we don't, we don't ask that instead. What I hear too often is, well, it's just what I like. That's that's the danger. And that's a problem. Because what happens is is we're not asking the question, what does God command? We're asking, what do I want? It's yes. almost like it's almost like have you ever talked to people about a diet and they're like, Well, if Dr. Pepper's gonna kill me, I'm gonna go to the grave happy and it's almost like, Well, if this is gonna send me to hell, at least I'm gonna go to hell happy <laughs> and it's like, What? We can't have that attitude, man. Sure. You know, we have to we need to be doing this. Right, you can do that with your diet. Like, go ahead, drink your Dr. Why Pepper. Why didn't you look at me you when you said that? What? You do you like said, Dr. Pepper? You don't drink Dr. Pepper. I would have said Diet 7-Up. I, I like Dr. Pepper, but... I, yeah. You like Diet 7-Up? Drink all those Dr. Yeah. Pepper strawberries and cream you want. You had one. They're good. You liked it. <laughs> I like it. Scott did not... I told Scott about the doc, Dr. Pepper oh, strawberries and cream. Well, I'll try it. Oh, I thought it. As long as it comes out of a can, he'll drink it. <laughs> That's true. That's just Diet Coke. Mm, That's just Diet <laughs> It doesn't apply to anything but Diet Coke. Really? Yeah. You'll drink other pops out of the fountain? Yeah. Just not. Huh. Just not Diet Coke? Just sorry. not Diet Coke. Okay. Just, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but no, I, I do That's think about that because. Don't put that long. No, I think. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I think, with, I'm with no you. No innovation. No. <laughs> I think it's a helpful. I think the, a couple of things. I appreciate what Scott said because on the one hand, it the danger is, is you, uh, you forget that no matter how perfectly we follow these commands that we don't get saved by those things. No, right, yeah. So it's important to be reminded of that. Um, you can have the best and most uh, um, pristine church government uh, according to the new Testament pattern and still not be converted um, because and still not do it right and not do it right or do it with the right attitude. Yeah. You can do, you can have that wrong. So on the one hand, we want to put this in its proper place. On the other hand, like what you said, Scott, doesn't mean we don't try it doesn't mean we don't ask the questions and try to get to the appropriate biblical answers the best that we can um i also appreciate one of the things i do appreciate about some of these old writers and and um and on the one is they were um they were all in because sometimes today one of the things that kind of drives me nuts with contemporary writing is the concern to be so nuanced to the point to where you're like, I don't even know what you like. I, I, I appreciate it whenever the old Baptist writers like this would just take a stand and would just take the bullets for it. You know, like for, what, like, for any, like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so saying things like we have no splendid innovations, right, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I think they probably would say, of course we don't do this perfectly. You know, they would have probably agreed with a bunch of what you were saying, but the way they said it, it was like, okay, I get where you're coming from. You really believe this stuff. And I actually appreciate that. So I think on the other hand, there is something to be learned because today I feel like we're so um, wishy-washy sometimes whenever you read contemporary stuff to where it's so wanting to be so balanced and so nuanced, which I appreciate that. I want us to be good. Doesn't sound like you do. But I appreciate it when somebody <laughs> takes you're a You're being stand. really nuanced right now, Spencer. That's a good point, Scott. <laughs> I'm not that person like I should be. 
They need to be well, more because, brash. Well, yeah, that's the problem, right? You can cut, that can come across as mean and rude today. Today, and that's not the point, you know. Like, and there's if, definitely a place where, like you're saying, if being nuanced in your answer means that you actually don't give any kind of answer, then that's not helpful to anybody. Right. But if being nuanced means trying to be very specific and clear about what your answer is, that's a little different, I think. And I find that very helpful. Yeah. But if it ends up in a place where like you don't actually give an answer to anybody, right. It might end up that you don't give an answer that anybody likes. Sure. But at least you've given your answer. It's nice that you know where these guys stand. That's one right. of the reasons why I love reading Martin Luther. And I know like, where he stands. Well, I just think that with people in general. Yeah. Right? I would rather have a knockdown, drag out argument with somebody because at least I know where they stand right. that's and where you, I stand. That's why I love Charles Barkley. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm Yeah, I'm with you. Know you know what I mean? I like when he says no. what he says. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> no, but, you know, I don't like the wishy-washy or the someone yeah. who's just like, yes to everything. Yeah. You know, and you're like, what? no, what do you, how do you feel? Like, right. Seriously. Right. It's hard to, it's hard to live that way. And yeah, too, too many people do that with, with stuff that you can't, you can't do that. Like your take mm-hmm. on the Bible, who Christ is, yeah. you can't do that. And so can't, no. that's why, I, I don't know. I'm not perfect in it by any means, but that's one of the responses I get from preaching a lot is people's like, well, you just, you just say what you, what you feel, huh? Or, you know, or <laughs> you don't hold back. And it's like, well. I don't think you can do that with the Bible. Like it's that is wrong and this is right. You know, Christ is the way. There is no other way. Right. I, I don't know right. how else to put it. And, and when we're talking about this kind of stuff, like with worship and this different things, and it's easy to point at different churches or different styles and stuff and say, this is why this is wrong. And they, and I'm right. not saying that it's my opinion that it's sure. wrong. I'm telling you well, it is wrong. Well, leading one, to a dangerous. One life. of the things I told somebody in our church just recently I said, we're Baptists because we think we're right. (laughs) Right. That's why we exist as a church. Yeah. We think we're right, and we do think those people are wrong. Now, we would. We're not saying. No, no, no. No, that's not right. I know they're wrong. Okay, Scott knows they're wrong. (laughs) Here's how we would be nuanced in it. But that doesn't mean I'm not saying everybody else isn't a Christian. Exactly. We would still say that group is a Christian, right? but we think this is wrong. That group, not a Christian. Right. That group. But, not a Christian. but the <laughs> reason I mean? why we go to the Baptist church and not the Lutheran church or the Methodist church is because we think we're right. Yes, right. And so I think that that's what the old Baptists were saying. Yeah. It's not that we're not saying those guys aren't converted. We just think we're right. And we think this matters. And yeah. it's important to take a position on the issue. Yes. Even if it's not one that's going to get you into heaven. Yes. Yeah. It is important mm-hmm. to, help, to, to help us. Mm-hmm. This is because Jesus has given us instructions about how to do things. Yeah. yeah There's a, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a really helpful uh, concept in a class I'm taking right now that our professor um, uh, has that he, he's given us about when you're thinking about like a church, like whether or not it is a church or they've gone so far over here that they're no longer a church. And so he kind of has this continuum where it's like there's a, you know, if you think about the line and like a normal continuum, there's definitely a point where there is this is a church versus mm-hmm. this is not a church. Mm-hmm. And you can distinguish whether or not a church is a true church or a false church. And there are those standards, but then you can get into the realm where, okay, now this is a true church, but there's still questions of whether or not this is a healthy church or if it is what he, the way he calls it, a pure church. Right. There's different levels of purity, right? There's different markers that you could point to in the new Testament of like, this is what a church is supposed to be how they're supposed to act, what their ministry should look like, their worship mm-hmm. should look like. And there's different levels of, of purity, you might sure. say, of how close how closely they adhere to what the right. New Testament teaches. And I think that's that's kind of where some of that gets gets mixed up. It's like you have to have a, a way to differentiate between true church, false church. And when you're talking about true churches, like that's where that nuance comes in mm-hmm. is – I think they're a true church. I just don't think they're a very healthy or pure church. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I was going to say. That's what a lot of it is today when trying to determine that stuff is I think they're a a true church, but I don't think they will be in a decade. I mean, that's almost like where it is now because you see the trajectory they're going and where they're headed, and that usually leads to X, Y, and Z, which now would make them not a true church. Or at least historically it has. Historically, right? And so we've seen that with famous people, like Andy Stanley's one of them right now, where yeah. he's on the line where people are like, we started seeing some things with him that was like, this doesn't look good. 
I would be. I know you've looked at his stuff before, and he had some good stuff in the past, but I don't know. He's trending in a bad way, and now it's getting to the point where it's like, He's really trending in a bad way. Like, stay away from him. And all signs point to pretty soon, if not already. Apostasy. Apostasy. He's not a true church, and he's led his church astray. And and that's where it gets, I guess, a little nuanced. And I feel like it's really hard to point people to that because, at least in the Southern Baptist Convention, I think a lot of the Baptist churches I know, we have strayed really far charismatically like for me, that I'm uncomfortable with. And it's hard to talk to people about that because some of the things that they used to love about their church 20, 30, or 40 years ago, what I feel like sometimes you have to tell them is you are kind of starting to go down a path that Baptists historically don't do. We That leads to this. And leads, and we've seen that, right? It leads to emotionalism. It leads to this. It can, lead, can start leading you astray into some weird areas. And it's almost like there has to be a a re, uh, readjustment that is not comfortable because you you still have to say yeah you're a true church I still think it was it's just it was going in a direction where it makes me nervous you know and and you can't just stay in that one spot forever that doesn't happen you're gonna slide right mm-hmm. um, that's usually the arguments I'm I'm faced with most most of the time yeah or with other pastors. Uh, when it comes to these sort of things, and it's hard to get them to think through that, to ask these questions of like, mm-hmm. I know you loved that, but was that good? You know, was that really what Scripture say? And a lot of times I've, I've found people don't want to answer that question, or they've answered it. They didn't like the answer, and so they're going to just kind of avoid it mm-hmm. if they yeah. can. And a lot of times we don't like dealing with the question either. No. Of like, there's areas where even we are a true church, yeah. But we there's probably areas where we're not that healthy. I'm sure. That we need to that we need to be willing to look mm-hmm. self like self reflectively mm-hmm. and say, Oh, okay. Well yeah, yeah we yeah. need to address that too. Because every church is in this constant state of pure, less pure, pure, less pure. I mean that's mm-hmm. that's what yep. it that's what it is to be yep. a living body. And exactly. growing and going. Good job, Spencer. You growing, growing and going. Growing, growing and going. going. You know, it wow. fluctuates over time. Yeah, I like that. Right? It's catchy. Growing and going. Throughout my life, I gain weight, I lose weight. <laughs> all those things. Growing and going. I just seem to gain weight down really fast. I just seem to keep growing. That's all I seem to do. <laughs> There's no going. There's just I'm no going. going. It life. just keeps growing, you know, and just. Oh, yeah. Boy. Okay. All right. Well, we'll scratch it there. Um, stop there hey you need to let the people know there's not going to be a podcast next week and it's yeah, your we're fault. going it's dark. your fault not ours we're going dark <laughs> it's your fault too no we wanted to do two today and you said no. you're not going to do a midweek next week i thought what we were going to suggest people do is just watch the conference online that's good okay Scott. can you watch it live i don't know but they can try is there a live stream i think you can uh, i think leroy has done that really before. i think some of it is live stream maybe i think, the, maybe I think the, the sessions, sessions are, the where do they oh, really? need to go to do that I don't basics know. Basics conference. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> type in basics conference 2023. Live stream. Live stream. Where are they going to type that in at, Spencer? Uh, usually go to Google. Don't go to Google Scholar for that one. <laughs> yeah. Or um, Google Books for that one. Yeah, don't go to Google Books or Google Scholar. Um, we'll be, yeah, we'll be away at a conference. Yes. And then um, right after that, you might. Could we do on the road podcast? Sermon review. We've talked about this. Uh, so I know Pastor times, Dave won't be there, happens. but we could do the iPhone. You could do it like, yeah, you could record it. Our <laughs> would be the best quality YouTube channel, right? Scott, are you okay? I think we just lost Scott. Yeah. Give him the Heimlich. <laughs> He's choked up, folks. Yeah, He's something. choked up. Choked on something. <laughs> <laughs> choked on something. <laughs> you guys have a YouTube channel, right? You could do a YouTube. Oh, we do have a YouTube channel. I don't know how to get on it, but or do Facebook Live. Facebook Live. We've done that before. It'll sound terrible, <laughs> but we'd have to take this. Scott, with us. you could go geocaching. I oh. love geocaching. I you think could go awesome. geocaching with Facebook Living. You know, I've already thought like, about checking geocaches. <laughs> <laughs> we know, found hey, out somebody in our hobby. church at remember at that 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 meal. We oh. found out somebody in our church. I forgot who it is. It was Tom Jaworski. Tom Jaworski. Oh, you name dropped. Yes, <laughs> he is a geocacher really? for a long time. Yes, Tom has. I remember many wonderful when wonderful facets. <laughs> Started yeah. in the year two thousand. I remember when there was only three geocaches. <laughs> Started in 2000? Really? Started in 2000. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. The How oldest, do you know the, that? The oldest, what? You sitting here talking to me all about all these sports people that you know. How do you know that all these geocaching. random details and you're getting upset with me for knowing when geocaching started? In 2000. 
In, th- in the year 2000, geocaching started. I yeah. bought my brother-in-law a Christmas ornament for geocaching. Long does he like time geocaching? Ago. Yeah, of course he does. He's Brian like, does? No, Adam. Adam does? Think about it. Oh. That sounds about right. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> of his brother, not brother-in-law. No, not I was my like, brother. Are you serious? No, not my does brother. Does he like Dragon Ball Z too? Adam? Yeah. I'm sure. I saw some cards at Walmart <laughs> the other day because my kids got basketball cards. Yeah. And then we saw the Dragon Ball Z cards there. Mm. Yeah. The they're, oldest they're geocache in Michigan is just a couple of miles away from here. Really? Really? Yeah. Where? It's over in Luna Pier area. It's by where I live. Yeah. It's over there. Have you found it? I have not. Why not? I just haven't had time to get away and get Come it. Come on. You've had There's time. like, it said that there's an old, like, I think used to be like Christian camp out there, like very old, abandoned. And like, if you go there, you see like some of the buildings. Hmm. Could be a little spooky over there, huh? Abandoned Christian camp. It sounds cool. It sounds cool. We could go do it. You want to go do it right now? No. Actually, I'll be right there. I gotta go get my kids from school. They're right by it. But no, you guys can find it. Yeah, take take a picture for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys just let us know how it went. It'd be awesome. Yeah, oh boy. As long as springtime, as long as there's no spiders, Tom, Scott yeah. will get it. I'd yeah. rather go frisbee golfing. I will do that. I plan on doing that at basics. This golfing, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, I plan on doing that at basics. You do? Did you already find a course? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. 18 hole. Yeah. It's, right. it's like it, a do you call it a hole start? or do you call it 18 basket? Oh. Um, yeah, I think hole. I don't know what the lingo is. Mm-hmm. I'm going golfing when we go. Nice. Me too. The weather's going to be pretty just decent. <laughs> you and Scott. Yeah, I'll cough it up. I'll probably skip a session. <laughs> <laughs> He's that kind of comfort. I'm guy. that kind of guy. I'm going to pay a lot of money to be here and not go. <laughs> you, did you ever get your refund? I never emailed. Did you email? I didn't. It's all right. All right. Whatever. I'm assuming at this point they won't let us do it. I don't return stuff ever, so it's all right. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to this. Um, Take care. God bless.